Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? On Sunday, February 7th, the NFL season culminates with Super Bowl 55 as Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs play the last man to beat them in the postseason, Tom Brady, in his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the team's home stadium for the first time in the game's history. CBS Sports chairman Sean McManus says his network will set a tone for a national celebration during the continuing COVID-19 pandemic with appropriate protocols on site. We couldn't have asked for a better matchup with arguably the greatest of all time versus the most exciting young player in the NFL. Uh, There are so many storylines and we look forward to covering them all. I want to really credit and thank our partners at the NFL for putting this season on almost flawlessly. There were a couple of mild interruptions mid-season, but every game was played um, and the, the protocols they put in place to protect the players and the staff and the fans were just remarkable. So I can't, I can't um, tell you how impressed I am with what the, uh, with what the NFL has done. Uh, we have great anticipation and excitement for the game. And I think it's coming at a really important time of our country, to be honest with you, in our country, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, America needs this Super Bowl. I think it's an opportunity for the country to come together. I think it's going to be uplifting. I think it's going to be unifying. And I think it's coming at the right time. And I really do hope that it's a celebration for everything that's great about this country. Um, so I think that's, um, that's something that we're looking forward to. Uh, producing the Super Bowl in a pandemic is different than producing a Super Bowl under normal circumstances. We have the same uh, very strict procedures and protocols with respect to keeping our staff uh, safe. Um, everybody is getting tested. Everybody is getting screened. Everybody is wearing their PPE. We have extra mobile units to make sure we facilitate uh, social distancing. Um, There's a lot of challenges, but we met them all season long, and we're going to meet them at the Super Bowl. With 22,000 fans at the game, Raymond James Stadium will be one-third full as its regular capacity is 65,890. Executive producer and executive vice president production Harold Bryant says the network will showcase technology to bring viewers closer than ever before to the year's biggest game. We're going to have all these angles that are that are closer to the game we'll have four cameras that are that are flying cameras and one of those will be a trolley cam that can uh, zoom along speed along with the players as they 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 run the field and we're going to have uh, a movie bird crane that we use in our, our pregame show that's a very cinematic look uh, you, you it's been used in movies and uh, it's a first time we're using it and i think anywhere in in a uh, sports production We're going to have 8K cameras, 4K cameras, all of these looks that'll make it a very intimate and and really uh, up close and personal feel. We also have something called a Venice camera. It's a cinematic camera, um, almost a 3D look that's moving and walking on the field with the players during timeouts. Um, And we're also going to embrace our uh, augmented reality graphics, the AR graphics. We'll weave those in throughout the game to help tell the story. So that's what it's about. It's about telling stories, being innovative, and embracing 
embracing the challenges that we're going to to put on a phenomenal broadcast. NFL on CBS coordinating producer Jim Rickoff says that he and lead director Mike Arnold have tested these tools and look forward to deploying them as the network prepares for its record 21st Super Bowl. The biggest thing is maybe the trolley cam, which we've tested out twice in a couple games earlier this year, including last week. Uh, That's about the equal about being 10 rows up in the field and it goes across the field and can kind of parallel a play, which is kind of a neat vantage point you might not see. It would be more challenging in a full stadium. Uh, and I think, you know, we've got six, I think we have 120 total cameras this, yeah. this Super Bowl. So it's like every angle is covered. That's probably the biggest one that we had as far as it's different. We also, you know, not really affected by the capacity, but we had the two Venice cams the two steady cams, which everybody's really enjoyed. We've had it for about three weeks, which really does give you a kind of a cinematographic look and uh, it brings you really close, almost a 3D look. I would say they're two of the bigger things that stand out. But as far as the, the fans, I think it might affect a little bit how you cover the game. But I think most importantly, it's, uh, it's I would say the trolley cam would be the biggest thing you would see. It might be different from a normal telecast. It was a full capacity crowd. Reporter Tracy Wolfson spent the regular season in the stands where the trolley cam will be. She says she'll be on the field on Sunday. She compares the difference between those two perches and what she's missed the most by not having been in the middle of the postgame excitement this year. It's been a challenge, but it's kind of been a challenge that I've learned to attack and trying to find different ways to find information from the position we're in, in the moat. Um, Certainly not easy, you know, listening in and and hearing what they're saying on the sidelines, everyone masked up and and me being further back than normal. Um, You know, the crowd noise being pumped in, fans who are behind me uh, made that challenging, no doubt. And then the conversations you would normally have with a coach coming off the field, uh, very quick and or maybe through text or through a PR director. So those have certainly been challenges. Um, but I do think I, I will be able to be on the sideline for Super Bowl, which I think will help in terms of trying to hear what was is actually happening down there a little bit more, getting a, a little bit of a, a closer feel. And certainly in a game of this magnitude, I mean, what better opportunity than that? Um, a lot of the things I learned along the way, um, I think I will take, you know, I will take into consideration as I go. I think you're, you're more alert. You're, you're watching the game, but you're also looking so many different directions because you want to make sure you're hearing and seeing as much as you can, more so than ever before. And so um, I was able to roam up top of that first row of stands. It did give you an interesting perspective as well. And so um, I think I'll be able to take that going forward. Uh, certainly a challenge, but again, something we embraced. I'm looking forward to being back out there. The biggest thing I miss is the interaction with the players and the coaches post-game. When a team, when a fan, uh, a player, a coach, when they win, the best thing and one of my favorite things is to to do the post-game interview right up in their face, you know, getting on in there. I've done that forever, whether it was in college football in the SEC or, or in the NFL, and I miss that. I really do. Just getting that, you know, excitement and that emotion right after a win um, is something you can't replicate from six feet away or from the time you have in between to set up that interview. So that's certainly something I look forward to going back to next year. 
calling his sixth Super Bowl and covering his eighth overall for CBS, play-by-play announcer Jim Nance says the Bucks may enjoy home field advantage as local heroes will attend the game as guests of the NFL. You think about what this would have been like in a normal year and the Bucks becoming the first team to play in the Super Bowl on their home field. Okay, that's not going to happen. But then you have the 7,500 frontline healthcare workers and first responders. And that plan was in effect before anyone knew that the Bucks would be in the game. And that group, albeit it's only 7,500, are going to primarily come from Tampa and surrounding areas. So this concept of honoring their heroes is, I think it's going to color the entire presence of the Super Bowl. I think it's, Sean put it earlier, it's a celebration. I think it's going to be a magnificent spectacle for this country. And um, it transcends the game because of those healthcare workers that are going to be there. Now, they are going to be, in all likelihood, all Buccaneer fans. So um, the other 15,000 that are there, I think, are neutral fans. So um, it gave the Bucks through this celebration of American's heroes, it gave them at least a, a little bit of a, a presence. You'd be surprised being in these stadiums. The difference that 5,000 people can make at a game. We've done everything from no fans to 3,000 fans. I uh, went down at the Superdome in, in, um, in, 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 well, in the Wildcard game. And, and we had a game there against Kansas City December 20th as well. Saw so two trips there within a month. We had 17,000 at Arrowhead last week, and it felt like 70,000. So short of it is, the vibe's going to be big. It's going to feel like, uh, in my estimation, like it's a full stadium. And it's going to be a really joyous feeling. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Looking back on a unique season, Nance recalls a surreal moment when analyst Tony Romo connected with one of his former targets by calling down to him on the field from the booth. We're doing a game to Baltimore in November. Des Bryant has been brought up to the Ravens. He hasn't played in three years. He was Tony's number one all-time touchdown target. And he caught a couple of balls in the game. And again, the crowd noise is at such a fever pitch in our headset. We're, we're, we're calling a game against that. And at some point during a commercial break, late in the game, I took my headset off and we were in Baltimore. And it was just, wow, I could, can I hear a conversation down on the Raven sideline? Now we're on like deck four. And I tell Tony, take your headset off. Just listen to what it's like out here. Because this is a different world right here. It's going on in our headset. And Tony looks down on the sideline and says, hey, Des, great catch. <laughs> you know, here's his old mate. He's got his first catch in three years. Des turns around, looks up, says, thanks, number nine. Sunday won't be the first Tampa Super Bowl on CBS, and McManus explains his network's history there. Pat Summerall and John Madden called their second Super Bowl together in 1984 for CBS. And ironically, Jim Nance and Tony Romo are calling their second Super Bowl this year in Tampa. Uh, 20 years ago in Tampa, we had Greg Gumbel, who was the first black broadcaster to call a Super Bowl. Uh, Our lead director, Mike Arnold, has worked every Super Bowl on CBS since 1982. This will be his 13th Super Bowl 
the sixth as a director. And of course, we are doing our 21st Super Bowl, which is the most of any network. Ads are a big part of Super Sunday, and sometimes companies push the limits in an attempt to draw buzz. So far, McManus says advertisers are staying in bounds. I haven't heard any, um, as of yet, any ads that have been turned down by our standards and practices. Um, so I, I don't um, I don't really anticipate that, to be honest with you. Um, uh, if it happens, you know, we will we will deal with it in a, um, you know, in a fair and an objective way. But I don't see that really as being an issue right now. I mean, um, uh, the, the ads that we've gotten by and large um, have been, you know, in keeping with what the advertisers usually do, which is, which is to try to break the mold and do something different and do something innovative. And whether it's funny or touching, um, um, you know, or innovative, you know, that, that's what we've seen so far, but, but no issues right now with respect to ads that aren't appropriate to air during the Super Bowl. One of the highlights of the postseason was the wild card game on Nickelodeon, and McManus says we should keep an eye out for more special telecasts across the Viacom CBS family. It was a different kind of broadcast, a different kind of telecast, really for a, um, a different audience. But I think we learned that uh, you can have fun and you can do some, maybe some crazy graphics, or maybe you can do um, you know, some overlays like we did on the game. But um, I don't see a lot of that translating into our traditional broadcast, to be honest with you. But I think it opened up our eyes a little bit and it, um, it gave us pause with respect to maybe trying some new things and maybe having some fun. But it was, it was purposely a different, a different broadcast for a, uh, for a different audience. But I think you may see um, similar type um, broadcasts, shadow broadcasts, I like to call them, on some other sports that we're doing. You're not going to see it every week, but I think you might see it on select events. And it's one of the great things about being part of Viacom is we have Nickelodeon, but we also have MTV and VH1 and BET and all the other networks. So who knows what other kind of programming we might be able to do with our, 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 our other platforms at Viacom CBS. As he looks at the Brady-Mahomes matchup, Romo says his second big game as an analyst will be the biggest game we've ever seen with two quarterbacks staking their claim to being the best ever. I think it's a legacy game. This is going to be one of the great matchups in sports history because it doesn't happen very often. This matchup right here is what you talk about with your friends as if. And when I say that, I talked about it, and Jim knows this, during the broadcast in the AFC Championship, it's, could you imagine if Michael Jordan got, you know, got his team to the finals in 98 or when he was older against a young LeBron James, who's really, you know, the face of the league, it would be the greatest thing in the history of sports. And I'm like, I think we actually might have that Super Bowl. We might have that game. It just has never happened. I was trying to find things. I'm like, what would it be? It's like, well, you want to see this guy in his prime against this guy in his prime. It's like Jack Nicholas against Tiger Woods. It's like, I mean, there's, there's no comparison that I could find in any sport. And I would love if somebody could. The only thing I could think of is like, okay, LeBron James is chasing Michael Jordan. He's been his entire career. Jordan set the bar so high. LeBron has to be so amazing to get in the discussion. And he is. Somehow he's put himself in the discussion. The fact that Patrick Mahomes is somehow even remotely in this discussion shows you how amazing this guy is. And 
we all see it. When it's all said and done, this game, there's a chance for Patrick Mahomes, if you're playing in this game, this could be the thing. If you get close to like climbing that ladder, this game could push you over the top when it's all said and done to say you beat him in the Super Bowl head to head. Brady, I promise you, shuts the door if he wins this game. There's almost no way you could ever argue if Tom Brady at 43 years old, turning back father time, beating Patrick Mahomes, who is the face of the NFL and rightfully so, who's going to turn into this, who's the only guy who could possibly climb the ladder. If Tom Brady closes that in this game, I just don't see some human being ever competing in 10 Super Bowls, winning seven, and being able to say, you're better than Tom Brady. This game was a legacy game. If Patrick Mahomes wins, he keeps that door open. If he loses, I don't know how you climb it. That's the best I got for you. Nance looks back at Brady's first Super Bowl and where some of the key people in this year's game were when Tom led the Patriots to their first of six titles nearly 20 years ago. Then he looks ahead to Sunday and says his partner will raise his game to tell the story of Super Bowl 55. When Tom played in his first Super Bowl in February of 02, Tony Romo was a junior at Eastern Illinois. LeBron James was a junior in high school. Patrick Mahomes was six years old. Andy Reid was in his third year as a head coach, of course, in Philadelphia. And it was four presidents ago in this, in this country. So it's just to give you an idea what's in his head. I can't answer that question, but Tony can. And I want to tip everyone off. When we've had Brady games in these four years with Tony, these are his best games. Because there is something to be said for watching film for 20 years. And there are very few people, as you know, with credit to my, my teammate here, who can see things the way Tony can see them. Tom can see them. And Tony sees what Tom sees. So I'm going to tell you, watch out for Romo in this game. His best games, in my estimation. Just go back and look at the AFC Championship game two years ago. And look at that overtime drive. Uh, sets up very nicely for Tony because he's one of the very few, if maybe the only guy, that can actually know what's going on in, in, in Tom Brady's head in those situations uh, when he's looking at defenses and looking at schemes. We'll give Romo the last word and one more opportunity to explain this titanic title tilt to crown the greatest of all time once and for all or witness the rise of the man who will become the GOAT. The number like in Outliers, the book, to be perfect at something, right? Like an expert or exceptional or however you want to describe it is 10,000 hours. Well, 12,000 attempts is probably 10,000 hours, as dumb as it sounds, because those are in real live events and you don't realize that there's 100,000 other throws that he's done before them. So to me, you're seeing a guy who knows the game at a master class level. And it'd be like a grandmaster in chess. He knows the chess moves so cold. The way to beat him is to, you know, you're never going to beat Brady with like trying to come up with a new chess move. 
he already knows all the, like, there's only 11 on 11. He's seen all of what 11 people could do. Your job is to match up and say, throw it here. Here's the matchup. But you have a guy who's better than this guy. And he makes it hard on him. And so that's, that's ultimately what you have to do against great quarterbacks. And, you know, I think Tom Brady, we're in a rare time. He's the greatest who's ever walked. And we're in a Super Bowl with the one guy on earth that most people would agree with could possibly one day, 15 years from now, come into that stratosphere. It's the greatest game. I'm telling you guys, this game will be talked about forever. I mean, Marino played Montana in what, 84, Jim? Yes, 84 seasons, Stanford Stadium. Yep. So what what year was Marino? Year two? Second year. Yeah. And Montana was year five or something. Imagine if they were in different eras. Tom Brady's multi-generational. He's not generational. He's multi-generational. I just don't see that in sports for me. I just, multi-generational means you go from the class of Manning, Favre, you know, the end of Steve Young, the end of, you know, or or sorry, uh, you go from Favre. Who else do we got, Jim? We got Favre. Manning. Manning, we've got uh, Brady Warner. Yep. Yep. You've got you've got ten guys. Okay, here, but Roethlisberger went to Super Bowls. Yep. yep. You go through all this, yep. and then all of a sudden you get rid of them; they're gone. And now you're like, okay, here's the next phase. That doesn't happen in sports. You don't go through one phase. Like, it just it's so rare. I don't think I can talk about it enough, and that's why I love it. It's so special. You'll never probably see it again. Tom Brady is multi-generational. It's Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters, beating Dustin Johnson, who he would never see when he was young, winning against Ernie Els, David Duvall, you know, and Phil Mickelson. This is a whole nother crew, and he goes and competes with them. That is rare times 10,000 in sports, and now we're doing it in the Super Bowl with everything on the line against the guy who might check more boxes than him if you really look at it closely, which you don't know because he's really only played in four or five years. And this guy right here, yeah, his first year, he was the MVP. Now, he didn't play his first year. His second year, first year of playing, MVP. Loses in the AFC Championship game to Brady. Second year, wins a Super Bowl that he plays. Now he's back in it. So in his three years, am I right in saying this, Jim? He's going, in his three years of playing, he's gone to the AFC Championship, lost to Brady, second time, Super Bowl, wins, third time, Super Bowl. So this guy's played an AFC title game, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, since he's been a starting quarterback, years two, three, four. This guy is rare. The problem is this. He lost to Brady. He won it. He runs into Brady again. 
this is going to determine when history talks about it, because he's going to get there. I really believe it. When all is said and done, this is the only kid who's going to be in the discussion. This game is bigger than people realize 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. This is the game people are going to go back to. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.